You are now listening to the Beat Bodega, a music podcast. Music and talk for all you bitches. Enjoy. All right. Welcome back to a new episode of the Beat Bodega. With me, as always, is Eric. Say hi, Eric. Hi. And uh, joining us once again is Gilbert DJ G Funk, fresh off of his uh, debut on Twitch, um, which we all loved. Gilbert, how you doing? I'm good. I'm uh, still riding off that high of the uh, 21 people that checked it out. Very excited. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, you know what? Those 21 people were happy. No, it's actually, it was joking. I'm joking, but it was actually really, really fun. I, I definitely want to um, do it again. I'm, uh, uh, you know, uh, next week I'm actually going to be, you know, DJing in front of people, which is exciting. It hasn't happened in a while. But uh, but after that, I'm, I'm definitely going to bring it back and, and try, you know, I'm going to do the lovers thing just once a month, but every other week I'm going to be uh, bringing some different flavors, some 80s, some all alternatives, some, you know, a little bit of everything. My only complaint was that it was too short, or at least it felt too short. I was three pints in, and you started saying your goodbyes. I know. All right? I, I know two hours had passed, but it just went that fast. It was yeah, yeah. It was a great set. It was a really good set. Well, that, um, that means you I, I know it. the Lover Rock has a theme, but I do want to thank you for playing that Jordan Knight song. <laughs> <laughs> But I love the beat. You played a song just before that with Janet Jackson that kind of has a similar beat to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, like, it, was oh. around that, it, was, it was around that time. I had to play my Biffle, man. Come on. <laughs> All right. So I don't know what Biffle means. Biffle? Best friend for, Best life. friend for life. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Biffle. All right, guys. Let, let's, let's jump on the topic. Um, so <laughs> this episode, we're going to discuss 1991. 1991 is considered by many to be the best year uh, of album releases. So that's basically what the track list is going to be is some of the, some of the albums that came out that year, but you know, it's like every list it's been very, it's, it's been daunting to do because there's so many good, uh, so many good albums out there. So many good, so many good songs uh, for each genre. But um, this, this one was interesting. When you realize how many albums were released that year that were, you know, top 10 albums, it, it, it's it's pretty insane. I mean, you had uh, U2 released Octoon Baby that year. Uh, Nirvana released Nevermind. Uh, R.E.M. released Out of Time. Metallica, the Black Album. Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Pearl Jam with 10. Soundgarden. Guns N' Roses. It's the list is is almost infinite of all the albums that came out that year. Um, it was a phenomenal year, and I know one of Gilbert's favorite years because Nirvana happens to be one of his Nirvana baby. So, you know, this is uh, which Eric, you saw Nirvana live, right? Yes, I did. <laughs> I was gonna see them twice, but you know, things happen. <laughs> wow, uh, Gilbert, how many times have you seen? In the over. I unfortunately never got to see them. That hurts. Yeah, I was. I, I also too was looking forward to seeing them in Lollapalooza. Well, Gilbert, I'm sorry. And um, but again, this is you know, and and although Nevermind wasn't their first album, uh, they released uh, Bleach under Sub Pop, uh, the Sub Pop record label. Um, yep. You know, it, it was probably. In our generation, the most defining album in 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 our history, um, you know, uh, 
uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit is, was inducted in the, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, just that song. And it was considered, um, you know, a song that shaped, that reshaped rock and roll, which it was the truth. It, um, that video came out in uh, September 29, 1991, and it premiered on MTV's 120 Minutes. And immediately after its, its release, it changed the whole dynamic of the nineties because there was no band that sounded mm. like that. Everything was extremely pop and R and B and then the hip hip hop was peaking. And then along came three guys that, you know, changed everything. Yeah. And it got a bunch of teenagers in Florida's hot weather wearing flannel in the middle of summer. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. But yeah. I was, I was buying flannel and wearing it in the middle of the day. Yeah. That, but by the end of the day, everybody had it tied around their waist. That's oh, yeah. how you did it, man. <laughs> but so we actually start off the playlist with my favorite song on uh, the Nevermind album. I know it's Eric's favorite song on the Nevermind album, which is Lounge Act. Oh, yeah. So that that's actually probably my favorite Nirvana song overall. Um, I was asked to sing this song live uh, when I was in high school. I don't know if you remember a band called Desmort. It was uh, Fabio, this kid Fabio, played bass, um, Camillo's brother. Yeah. And I learned the lyrics from this song and never got the chance to sing it live. But I was singing it in my house every day for like a couple of weeks just to have this one moment to sing it, <laughs> to sing it live in front of it. So that was my one brush with... with uh, with being in a band, that was my first crush. With being yeah, in a band, the second that never happened. What was the second the second opportunity? Well, we were we when we when we formed a <laughs> punk band. I think we were called Dysfunctional Youth, and influenced <laughs> by Nirvana, right? Yeah. We even had we had T-shirts. Um, we had a singer, a drummer, and a guitar player. But we had no instruments. <laughs> no, 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 no. Gilbert bought a guitar. Yeah, I had a guitar. Gilbert, yeah. did, did, Gilbert did buy a guitar. Yeah, that was. Our, the shirts. We were, it was a smiley face. You, you did the. It was pretty much. Yeah, the Nirvana. Yeah. The, 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 coincidentally, the only song I ever learned how to play on the guitar was "Come As You Are." Oh, look at that. <laughs> so yeah. But that well, you guys haven't heard our music. Very underground. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's so underground it never got made. The... So if I can if I can elaborate on since it is Nirvana is the greatest uh, rock group of all time first of all. Slow down. And then second, so what this album really did, like I mean to your point, it really changed. So going into '91 and all that stuff, it was nothing but like hair metal on on MTV, and it was you know like Poison and. And I mean, GNR to an extent, but they weren't necessarily too much hair metal. But I mean, but they, um, Nirvana took everybody out of that. And it was, you well, know, like to, to Eric's point, everybody was wearing flannel. Everybody was, you know, um, growing, growing their hair out. And it was, it, it changed everything. And it, it to me, and it, I, I know people are going to argue, Nirvana to me is, straight, is a straight up punk band that wrote catchy songs. You know, and you, when we get to the punk uh, the 90s punk, we could talk about Green Day in the same way, right? To me, it was, if you listen to Breed and if you listen to Territorial Pissings, those are punk rock records that no band from Seattle were playing. Like, if you li listen to Pearl Jam or Soundgarden or Alice in Chains, they, they had more a lot more heavy metal influence, and you can kind of hear that in their sound, where to me, 
Nirvana was clearly influenced by punk rock and you could hear it in a lot of their songs. You know what I mean? So, so like I've, I've always, that's probably why I've loved Nirvana so much because I thought they were just a straight up punk, punk band that really loved and made commercial pop music. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah well, I mean, oddly enough, so, you know, as I was, I was researching this. So when Chris and Kurt finally got together to start a band, um, they started a band called the sellouts and it was actually a CCR tribute band. Yep. Yeah. And yep. then, so, and, but yeah, I mean, you have to realize at that time, yeah, it was. Sorry guys, who's Chris and Kurt? Uh, Chris that, that, oh, Chris and Kurt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Woo! I thought you were talking about the girl from Smallville. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> also the name of the back album. But, um, you know, what made it interesting was, you're right, it was the beginning of a new decade. 80s glam rock was disappearing. Um, there was this scene in in, in Seattle that, that was growing, and it, it was a mixture of, of, you know, it was still loud guitars, heavy, which some of the bands that we'll get into this later. Uh, but, yeah, Nirvana did have a sound all their own. You know, it was you know three chord heavy like punk and you know it was loud and and it was uh you know a lot of teenage angst and and it became the album of of that generation and and you know people could say whatever they want but if if they're honest with themselves and think about when nirvana came out everybody was a nirvana fan until they started learning you know music and 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 learning other bands as you do when you're young you know there wasn't almost there wasn't one person that that liked rock and roll that didn't like nirvana when they first came out yeah uh, and i hey, i think gilbert you mentioned chris and Kurt. was dave Grohl not part of the band or not, was he, not in the beginning yeah. and and never mind he was he started he came in uh during the recording of never mind so their original drummer which now chad chad something i forgot <laughs> <laughs> he actually did early um, recordings of what songs ended up at on Nevermind with Butch Vig. So they, they went and, and recorded some, I think Butch Vig is from Wisconsin, I think, or something like that. And they recorded some early sessions with Chad drumming. And then by the time they came back to L.A. and started recording Nevermind, Dave had joined the band. And that's another thing. I, I think another thing that, that kind of escapes people is like Butch Vig made them sonically more appealing i guess you can say because when you hear territory of pissings it sounds like a straight-up rock band because they literally plugged in their guitar to there was no mixer and, and like this grandiose kind of way of recording it was straight up you know eight track order yeah like you know so they wanted that sound for that song specifically but um but yeah but they they came in like right before recording never mind yeah. all right so <clears throat> You know the, the the fun part about this this playlist is that it is really all over the place. We, we go from grunge to hip hop to you know a little bit of everything because of the fact that so many great albums were released that year. Yeah. Um, oh, one, one more thing, just one last thing. Sorry, guys. This is very <laughs> very. This is a passion. This is a very passionate thing for me. The one thing that that you, I think symbolically of 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 you know Nirvana taking over and a new sound joining was they they took out michael jackson as the number one record 
yeah. when they, when Nirvana when they're not when never mind when number one they they bounced Michael yeah. Jackson yeah, off of it. So they, like, yeah, because Dangerous was released that same year. Yeah, so think about it symbolically. That's pretty. That's pretty deep. Yeah. I, do you have any Nirvana tattoos? Do you? Did no. you ever? No. Okay. Because yeah. you did Wicked, which you know it's that's well, a that's, personal favorite one. Yeah, and a lyric. But yeah. All right. Okay. So no, no Nirvana lyrics on your skin. No Nirvana lyrics. So, <laughs> so we go from Nirvana to "Give It Away" by Red Hot Chili Peppers from the Blood Sugar Sex Magic album, uh, which it, it's funny because that's the album that actually catapulted them, even mm-hmm. though they had four albums before that. You know, and Mother's Milk was a popular album too, but this this album actually, you know, blew them up in 1991. You know, they were. Yeah. That's that the one that has the Stevie Wonder cover, Mother's Milk. Uh, uh, Mother's that Milk, was yeah. produced by uh, George Clinton, right? Yeah, but but uh, but um, Blood Sex Sugar Magic, I think, is uh, Rick Rubin. is Rick Rubin, right? Yeah, Rick Rubin, Rick Rubin did, did that. Album. Yeah, and well, <laughs> actually, before this album came out, I thought uh, Flea was an actor, you know, appearing in uh, <laughs> that movie Dudes and also um, Back to the Future. Yeah. There, there were there were a lot. He plays the bass. That, that's not, I'm, I'm joking because I, I have seen him in other movies playing bass too. But talk about a talented like band. I mean, thrashing they, too. The skating yeah. movie. They, they make it. Oh yeah, he's incredible, dude. Yeah, but but think think about what an amazing band that is. When they came out, they they had this like funk sound, and then they were like a thrash metal band, and then yeah. you know then became. It, it, it's hard to classify them as alternative because they really do have their own sound because they do incorporate. You know, a lot of funk and rock, like that. They're they're just a great band, and that that's what made them transcend through different genres and 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 become so popular. And they're a great band just to look at. You know, just to look at. You know, you Flea's so animated. Anthony Kiedis is animated. You know, the guitar player who started on that album, um, you know, immediately after the success of that album left the band. That's when you ended up getting Dave Navarro and. You know, like that was no. John Fushante, John Ranty, yeah. yeah. Which he, he was, he was incredible, man. Yeah, but, he's an amazing guitarist. But he that didn't, dude, he didn't like the success. He didn't like being in the limelight after that album. That's why he left. So yeah, what, what that, you that, that, that that dude is the Red Hot Chili Peppers to me. Like John Fushante, like I love Dave Navarro, and he's awesome. Obviously, a great guitar player, and he's you know amazing with James Addiction and the whole night. But to me, Red Hot Chili Peppers is with John Fushante. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, but a fantastic album. There was a bunch of good songs on that album, uh, just for the flow of the playlist. I won't give it away. And then one of my one of my all time favorite collaborations, and you know, just a fantastic song, is "Bring the Noise" with Public Enemy and Anthrax. Oh yeah. So you know, and this is kind of cool because we we had talked about, you know, in the first episode we talked about a. Uh, you know, old music that's been sampled later. You know that 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 song, despite having live band playing in it, you actually still had James Brown samples and and funkadelic samples in that song. And you know, you have the great Chuck D, Flavor Flav, the greatest hype man of all time, Scott Ian, a fantastic guitar player, Anthrax, just a great band. You know, it, one of the one of the best hip hop and rock collaborations ever. Yeah, for sure. Was this the birth of new metal too? Um, <laughs> I, I was just messing with you guys. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> no, this this was just amazing just to have Anthrax on there too. But um, as far was was this Rick Rubin on this album too? No, he had already no. left. Uh, oh, yeah. okay, he had already left right. at that point. Yeah. So 
Yeah, this was a great one. That that album starts with 1991. They even mentioned the year, right? Yeah. The, the, well, it, it's funny. Back then in the 90s, it, it was it was pretty proper to mention the year that you were releasing the album, which is very strange. <laughs> <laughs> There's that, like, you hear a lot of songs that they throw in the year, just to let you know what year it is, but, uh, which made this playlist easy. Um, and no, it's, it, and it's, and, you know, I don't think Flavor Flav gets enough credit. I think uh, it was Chuck D that defended him once, and I forgot to who it was. It's like, um, well, they the producer, and I want to say it was Rick Rubin came in and said, like, hey, why don't you get rid of that guy? That guy's a joke. And Chuck D was like, listen, that's the only guy in the pen that knows how to read music. You know, yeah. A lot of people don't know that Flavor Flav was a musical prodigy, yeah. and is an amazing drummer. Well, which he kind drum. of shows off in the video too. And they yeah. and they and but now he's no longer with uh, Chuck D. They just split up. Yeah. And year. neither is per- Professor Griff. Remember, per- yeah, per- blah, blah, blah. yeah. He got he had all that controversy, and I think there was a movie kind of made about them too. CD four. Wow. <laughs> or it was kind of bad <laughs> NWA like. They all went to their separate ways. Yeah. I think that was more towards uh, NWA, not public yeah. enemy. It, it's just it always reminds me because Professor Grip was more the militant one of the band. Like, yeah, very, very militant. Uh, no, 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 no. Just he was no more. He he just was at the time. You know, yeah. very well. They, they were a socially active band. I mean, like oh know, yeah, you know, they were very involved, and I mean, they still are. I mean, I I followed Chuck D on social media, and and you know, it, it's. He's a voice, man, you know, and regardless of, of what they were and, and flavor of love and all that shit, they, oh, they, 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 they were, yeah, they were more than that. They, they were, they were one of the hip hop groups that actually were involved in, in the community and, 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 and were active and, and socially aware. Um, now we go from that to cream with Prince and the new power generation. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it, it seems like sexy. Prince has almost made every list that we've done, huh? He yeah. has indeed. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of closeted love for Prince here, man. No, it's, not, it's not closeted, man. <laughs> Prince is a shit. <laughs> no, he's incredible. He's an amazing guitar um, player. Diamonds and Pearls. That was the track I remember from this one. I, my friend, yeah, it was. You know, I was uh, earlier today. Oddly enough, I was watching a. Uh, this video that talked about all the all the artists that didn't get a, that Prince didn't get along with. Um, on the, it was Madonna, Keith Richards. Um, who else didn't he get along with? Justin Timberlake. Uh, so, it, but then when he passed away, all verbally in interviews talked about like, yeah, no, I mean, we had our differences, but he's one of the greatest artists and one of the greatest musicians ever. I mean, Gilbert, I think in one of the podcasts you talked about how Dave Grohl said he was the best musician in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That You said, oh, was he the best guitar player in the room? And uh, Dave Grohl said, no, he was the best drummer. He was the best everything in the yeah, room. Yeah, yeah, he said that, uh, that he's, they asked Dave Grohl if, if Prince was a better guitarist. And he's like, shit, that dude's a better drummer than I am. What do you mean? <laughs> But I, Guys, can we get back to Diamond and Pearls, the two dancers that he had there? I got a little funny uh, thing about Pearl. She, I actually watched. She was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She was Jenny Calendar, um, the librarian <laughs> for Buff, um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, who dies at the like 
she's killed by Angelus. <laughs> How do we end up two, in a right? WB show every podcast there? <laughs> hey, man, this was huge. Like, you know, I mean, there's diamonds, diamonds and pearls, but you, you, didn't you, you, you actually played a vanity song on your Twitch uh, yeah. list. Uh, Ooh, the nasty girls. Like this yeah. guy, all the, all the other people that he produced, man. It was just incredible. But yeah, Diamond, Diamonds and Pearls. Pearl was my favorite. Robi Ale Morte. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm sure that there'll be several playlists that will continue to put Prince on. But again, the, the guy's a legend. Um, so, I mean, regardless, uh, you know, he had an enormous catalog. We, there's, the guy was just a genius. So, after that, we go into Motown Philly by Boys to Men. Now, talented vocalist. This was actually this was their debut video, was Motown Philly, and uh, they were discovered by the great Michael Bivens, right? Yep. Yep. Oh, and, nice. Yeah. So, well, I, I mean, he had that whole little group, the uh, ABC, ABC, BBD, and Boys to Men. Yeah. And. Uh, <clears throat> You know, those guys became legendary, too. I mean, Grammy award-winning, uh, but, you know, at the time, from uh, from a male R&B standpoint, no better group of vocalists. Very talented group of guys. Not to mention introducing, like, the world to nerd fashion, just the way Nirvana kind of had everybody grunging up. I, I remember seeing people wearing, like, shorts with vests and bow ties. You that, know, that, was Gil- that, would be, that would be Gilbert. That would be good. Like, did you do that for real? <laughs> no, no, I didn't do that no. part. That but that you, part. you don't remember that fashion? It's like, oh, let's let's suit up, and then you'd wear the sweater, the nice sweater, Gilbert, you know, like did, the human Gilbert? sweater with shorts. Gilbert, you did wear the sense. sleeveless sweater. <laughs> yeah. I don't think so, man. I, oh, I think you did. But no, again, talented group of guys. I mean, a, a bunch of success, and and again, this playlist is everywhere. Um, you know, we go from that to all right. I, I'm going to cut us off here because I pulled a Gilbert and I put a song that did not come out in 1991, but I am going to, I am going to justify how I put this on this list. Uh, we're going to go on a quick break and then we'll be right back. And I'm going to make plenty of excuses for myself for why this song's on the playlist. All right. No, no excuse. Uh, no. Well, I, <laughs> trust me, I had to dig deep to find out how to justify this song. But all right, guys, we'll be back in a few. Now, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Uh, so we left off on Motown Philly going into the next track that I'm going to try to justify why it's on there, which is Wild Thing by Tone Loke, which actually came out in 1989. So okay, I made a mistake by putting it on there. It fits well with the track list, but it's not a song from 1991. So this is how I'm going to justify why it's on the track list. You guys ready? Sure. All right. Okay. (laughs) All right. So now, according to uh, a fact website, uh, it claims that when the song <clears throat> when the song came out, or well, this this part is true. This isn't a claim, but it's broken down into four verses, and you know, 
Each verse ends in wild thing, you know, talking about his sexual encounter with this young lady. And in the last verse, uh, he finds out that she's a prostitute. So his comment to her after she when that happens, <laughs> his comment to her is hasta la vista, baby, which was then used or, you know, recycled in, 2000, in uh, 1991's Terminator 2 by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now, I didn't come up Recycled. with this. <laughs> I'm trying to the ju- only, I'm the, just trying to just two, Yeah. The only two people that believe that are you and Tone Loke. Well, I, I I don't know who runs the domain for that website that told that story. Uh, Spoiler alert, Tone Loke. <laughs> <laughs> but Again, by mistake, it's a 1989 song that made it on this playlist. But you know what? Who cares? It sounds great on the playlist, so I made it there. That's how I'm going to make my six degrees to Kevin Bacon, is the fact that he ends the verse with Hasta la Vista, baby. And in hopes that Arnold Schwarzenegger was a huge Tone Loke fan and would listen to that album every day, that he was on set and said, you know what would be great, great here? I'll be back. Hasta la Vista, baby. So I'm sticking with that. Sure. All right. We'll, we'll, so we'll move on. <laughs> but again, great song. Tone Loke, one of the coolest voices of all time. Um, so we're going to jump on to the next track. Forgive me for that 1989 faux pas, but it happens. So after, uh, after Wild Thing, we have Summertime by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, an iconic summer song. You know, we're uh, towards the end of summer. But, you know, what summer's not going to go by without listening to that song? It's a great song. Um, to this day, it still gets played. It still gets You're played. You're still going to hear this. It's also, it was, it's also um, that uh, horn. Um, I think it was uh, Cool in the Gang that originally did this song uh, called Summer Madness. Mm-hmm. And that sample is just amazing. And just to hear... Uh, uh, Fresh Prince, Will Smith, Fresh Prince, Will Smith, rap, uh, rap over it is incredible, you know, so good job, Jazzy Jeff. And Jeff is, Jeff is the king, dude, the, the guy, I mean, he invented his own scratch, so he's, and I mean, it, and, and that, that dude's still doing it now, traveling the world, well, pre, you know, obviously pre-corona, traveling the world, and um, I, I actually got to uh, see him live, and he's, he's incredible, so shout out to DJ Jazzy Jeff. What do you think he created his own, own scratch? So you ever heard of scratch? That's like it's basically you move your 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 one hand back and forth, and it sounds like a transformer. Okay. So it kind of sounds like a transformer. Um, he's yeah, he invented that scratch. So is that the crossfader, right? He uses the crossfader with and the, the record with your, with your hand going back and forth, and you're and you're clicking gotcha. the, the you're turn, basically turning off the the fader on and off, and he made that scratch. Thank you, and Jesse Jeff. You Jesse, you. He's an animal. Dude. No, he's he's. He's a legend. I mean, still, still a legend amongst DJs. Still a legend. And then uh, yep. I didn't know he was that 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 like popular in the world. I, mean, he, he I thought he was the Garfunkel to the no to the no no <laughs> no. And then, I mean, you know, and he he had a, you know he he later on um, after Jazzy Jeff or after Fresh Prince and and um, he uh, did a lot of producing for like Philly acts and like that whole neo soul era. Um, so yeah, dude. I mean, Jeff is Jeff is a legend, man. Yeah. So I mean, and 
talking about the the legacy of that song, it was Rolling Stone had placed it number nine in uh, in its best summer songs of all time. So again, kudos to uh, to the very talented duo out of Philadelphia. Um, so after that, we have uh, the choice is yours by Black Sheep. Um, great hip hop song. I mean, it, it it was tough to pick hip hop songs for this playlist, considering. De La Soul had released De La Soul is Dead, one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time, in my opinion. Uh, Ghetto Boys had come out with We Can't Be Stopped, which of course has, uh, you know, one of the most legendary hip hop songs. Mind's yeah, my mind's Mind playing tricks on me. Uh, DJ Quick, West Coast legend. Uh, young man by the name of Tupac released an album called Tupacalypse. Uh, Queen Latifah released an album. Biz Marquis released an album. Chub Rock, MC Light. You know, the list goes on and on of albums that were released. Chub Rock! I forgot about that guy, dude. Treat him right. Treat him, Treat him right. right. Oh, that, that was an amazing song. So that was 91, too? Yeah. Like I said, dude, well, it, it was... I, mean, I think it starts, says it in the song, too, right? <laughs> no, he actually, yeah. in the song, he says 1990. 1990, yeah. yeah. But the song but, was released in 1991. Um, but Choices Yours has that iconic, you know, engine, engine, number nine part, which is, I mean, you still drop the fader and, and let everybody sing, sing along to that part. Well, the, the interesting thing about that, that's actually a kid's song. It's an old child's folk song. It's um, the, the actual song goes engine, engine number nine. If you fall off the track, will I get my money back or something to that effect? But it's, coming, coming down the railroad line. Yeah, coming down the railroad line. And then. How much farther back did she get off? Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's actually a kid's song. And the first time I had actually heard that part before that album was released was when I was a kid in school, the girls would sing it while they would do double Dutch. So nice. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, a lot of people don't know that that's actually a, uh, an old kids folk song. Or that you double dutched. Or that what? Or that you double dutched. No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, sure. no, no, no. Hey, Trust it's me. cool, man. No, Dougie Rope is cool. All right. Hey, I, dude, I, I wish I could double dutch. I was, I would be the one that would jump in, and I, and, I, and the rope would hit me. Dude, I, hey, when I was a kid, I used to get in there for the double dutch. I was, I was a fan. Yeah. It was, it was learning. You know, you had your little step in, step out, boom, boom, and then you commit. You jump in, and then you're, the, I was, I was pumping the legs, man. The, I, I was a fan. <laughs> I double dutched you. That, that, that two things I could never do is double dutch and hula hoop. Never able to. Can hula I can't hula hoop. I don't know why. So I no mean, rhythm, I guess. All right. So the next track is uh, probably the second most iconic band of 1991, or that came out of 1991, or the Seattle scene, which was Pearl Jam. Now, Gilbert, I know, I know you cited on the Nirvana side of the grunge war of the great grunge wars of the 90s. Yeah, this is this is the the grunge Biggie and Tupac. So you were either Biggie or a Tupac guy, and <laughs> This is you know, you know as a as an alternative uh, person you either had to like uh, Nirvana or Pearl Jam and I chose the correct side which was Nirvana. <laughs> I also <laughs> no bias. No bias. I, I, well, I, not obviously not like longevity wise, but I also remember like Seattle like there was the the big thing like they were saying that you know I, I think it was Eddie Better that wasn't from from Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. So they didn't really have a legitimate claim to to that grunge scene. 
Well, I think he, it's because he was like a he had an audition to be a VJ for MTV. So it's like they I think they, there was like kind of a stigma that they were put together like, you know, like a pop band, like sync or something like that. Um, but I, I mean, no to take nothing away because they're an amazing band still oh. killing it today. I, it's on, honestly one, one of the bands that I, I do want to see like on a bucket list. I still have never seen Foo Fighter and I've never seen Pro Jam Live. I, I, I'd like to see. You've also, Nirvana, you've also never seen Nirvana. No, and, and also, too, like, I mean, you, you think of the stuff, too, that they did with Soundgarden. So I guess they did, you know, they were they were the Grinch thing. Uh, what is it? Temple of the Dog. Temple of the Dog. Which, you know, which, which also came out in 1991. Yeah. And, I mean, and Eddie Vedder's voice, dude. That, I mean, I, I, it's incredible. It's, it's a karaoke bar's worst, worst nightmare. Oh, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Ah. All right. So <laughs> this is one, one of my all-time favorite albums. And now it, it's it's a little controversial because one this was uh, Ice Cube post NWA obviously, and um, the Death Certificate the album after what this was the first album after no after the breakup no second. second the but you know this was the time that you know he was associated with the Nation of Islam and and you know he was always very he was always an activist, always, always, uh, always involved. Now, this is the wrong N word to fuck with. It's my favorite song on that album. And death certificate is hands down in, in any list of, of ice cube, uh, you know, ice, ice cube, discographies, it's always considered the best album that he has. Now I'm partial because I actually place it Maybe number two under Predator, because I love I love the Predator album. I gave you that album. You I did. Don't know if you remember I that. remember that, and we used to listen to it all the time. All the time. All the time. And also featured another band from this list, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, Wicked. Smack it up. Yeah. But and Flavor Flav. And Flavor Flav. Too, wasn't he? He was in the video. But um, but yeah, it's uh, Ice Cube. West Coast legend, now kids film legend, uh, which also yeah. <laughs> I didn't. That's not fair. That's not fair, guys. Because let's remember, he was an entertainer. Like no matter what he did with NWA, so guys just doing his thing. Look, I, I was something something I added. I like that. I was a fan of what was a road trip. So I I introduce in this playlist is the the Beat Bodega Fembot. So she has a few comments throughout the playlist. One of them is targeted towards Ice Cube. Hopefully she makes it safe and there's no beef. But there's the the B Bodega Fembot makes her debut on the playlist. And you guys yeah. will know once you hear it. Um, yeah. Which I think it's she's... on the... What is the Mars movie? What? The John Carpenter movie where he plays like a warrior on Mars. I don't He's know. He's a good actor, guys. Yeah. Nobody said he wasn't. All right, I just I, I I I hate that Ice Cube gets a lot of shit for his acting stuff. No, I, you don't have to defend him. We all like him as an actor. But uh, and and speak going back to the Fembot, she will also be making a a Spanish debut at some point with DJ G Funk. Is that right, Gilbert? Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I love that that be Bodega Fembot. She's gonna become famous. All right. So going to another group of guys uh, that are hip hop legends, 
Cypress Hill with Hand on the Pump, which uses one of my favorite samples or creatively in a song, which is a Duke of Earl. They use it in the in the song. And I mean, you got to love you got to love uh, Cypress Hill. So that's Hand on the Pump, which was also covered by Rage Against the Machine, too. Were they like the first band to kind of make weed popular? I don't know. Like everybody always says the chronic, but for some reason I always associate Cypress Hill with weed. Well, they were open about it in every song, almost all. Of, I mean, they. I mean, it's not like in the chronic there wasn't, and I at least I don't remember like full songs devoted to weed, like these guys. I mean, shit. Uh, just the name of the album. Just the name of the album. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that like. You know, he has a podcast, I think, or a show that all he does is smoke weed on the show. Like Dr. Dre doesn't do that, but you know, they're they're advocates towards towards pot, and you know, good for that. Uh, yeah, I, for some reason, I just remember growing up, and I I just remember always associating them with like that weed culture and yeah, stuff like because all their T-shirts and all their artwork was skulls and uh, pot plants. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's what's uh, what's interesting about them is that. They don't. They didn't sound like a West Coast band, uh, West Coast hip hop group. You no. know what I mean? So, uh, like, I, I actually, their first video, um, how, how, how can I just kill a man, was shot in New York, and so I thought they were like a East Coast group. You know? Yeah. No, that, yeah. But even so, they really don't sound like East Coast either. Like they really do. It's one of those people that just the moment you hear Zen Dog and and these guys, it's it's their it's their own sound. You know, it's Cypress Hill. You can't confuse them with anybody else. It's not like uh, who's another West Coast group that sounded like they were from the East Coast, uh, like Farside. 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 Yeah, that sounded like an an East Coast hip hop group, but Farside is West Coast. Yep. Yep. The county. Wow. See, case in point. My whole life is a lie. <laughs> All right. So going back to Terminator Two. Uh, <laughs> I see what you did there. You see what I did there? So yeah, probably if you remember one of the biggest album releases or the one of the most anticipated album releases ever was when they released Use Your Illusion 1 and 2, when Guns N' Roses released. Yeah. I mean, people were lining up outside stores, um, you know, because you had to buy two albums. And, you know, it, it was... Now, there's a song that Eric and I loved from... from from the Use Your Illusion album. It's not on this list because it's like a 10, 12 minute song. So we didn't put it on there, but uh, we put You Could Be Mine, which is also on the Terminator 2 soundtrack, which is a strong, heavy song. And it like hits you right in the face right away. And it's the, you know, that video is Axel running around on stage, you know, in, in between cuts, you see T2 scenes. It's what could be more badass than Axel and the fucking Terminator running around. But so we go. That was a good album. I, I, this just takes me back to uh, we had a friend that was a huge Guns N' Roses fan. Yeah, well, and he he would kind of imitate him in life and everything. I don't think and he was. Day, I think he still is. Oh, <laughs> and I'll never forget one day, like he started drinking Jack Daniels because it was what the Slash or Axel drank, and I'm like. What are you doing, man? And he did a photo shoot. Not a photo shoot, but he thought it was a good idea. We lived in a community, right? And they had a community pool. He thought it'd be a good idea to get naked, 
sit on the floor and just put the Jack bottom, uh, Jack Daniels bottle in front of him because I think one of the best, I don't know if it was it. Axel or Slash, Slash had done that. It. And it's like, you're an idiot, bro. Like, how much do you like this man that you do this? Well, well, again, he was. So also, that's always my like. He 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 is Guns and Roses to me. Like yeah. I love them. Like they were one of the first, um, like albums that I bought with my own money. Uh, Appetite for Destruction and Lies. But for some reason, he is Guns and Roses, my friend. Yeah, yeah, shout yeah. out to no names. <laughs> shout out to him. Noel, we love you. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna say his name, Noel. Shut yeah. up. <laughs> he, you know what? He deserves it, man. Yeah. He 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 disappeared, and I just I hope he's out there and he hears this. And you know, we we love that you love Guns N' Roses. As well. We love you, buddy. And and we love Guns N' Roses as well. So an interesting thing about that song. So in that song, so that verse that goes with your bitch slap rapping and your cocaine tongue. In the inside of the sleeve to the to Appetite for Destruction, it says that there. So they held on to that for that long and then threw it on there. And then um, there's, uh, so it says, with your bitch slap rapping in your coking tongue, um, it, it's, it leads on to another part and it says it ain't fun. Uh, and that appeared in the Spaghetti Incident album as well. And then that part where he says, we've seen that movie too, is a reference to Elton John that sang I've seen that movie too because you know um Elton John was 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 a favorite of, of Axl Rose and they actually they got an opportunity to sing together one time but uh but yeah I mean it, it, it's cool how they from that line on the inside of the sleeve of the Appetite for Destruction album they included it as a lyric to this song and you could be mine so I thought that was a cool little tidbit um so we go from You Could Be Mine to uh, Rusty Cage from Soundgarden. And as I mentioned earlier, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, they all released their album in 1991. And then Temple of the Dog came out as well, which is a collaboration between both guys. Um, now, the second song is uh, Siva from Smashing Pumpkins. Now, their more popular album was uh Siamese dreams, right? Siamese, yeah, right? Siamese dreams. Siamese dreams. That's the one that boosted them. Yeah. Yeah. So you know it was we although the Gish album is actually a really good album. It's a great album. And I was, you know, I wanted to make sure that there wasn't a song from that album there, even though people recognize them more from the Siamese Dreams album. Yeah, I think they just got buried with the grunge movement, man. Yeah, yeah, because man, the, the stuff that they were putting out, like this again, this was a great album too. But yeah, dream, dreams of Siamese dream is what catapulted them. Yeah, and and and, and I mean Billy Corgan is an amazing um, writer, musician. Like he did a lot of, he, he produced a lot of stuff. He later produced like a whole second album. Um, Oh really? Uh, yeah, with Malibu and yeah, um, I forgot the name of the album, but um, he yeah, he's just an amazing talent. And um, we, to your point about getting buried, like they were they were definitely not a grunge band, but and their skill in writing songs was way more impressive, I think, than anything else. And I, I think they did get buried within that thing, but they were, you know, there's a little bit more sophistication, I guess, you could say, to their songwriting, you know. Well, and they're mm -hmm. they're yeah, because they have a distinct sound. That screaming guitar sound that they carry. Yeah. You know that that that's 
that's a Smashing Pumpkin staple. And then he'll do songs like that, and then he'll do songs like 79 and, and Soma, which Disarm. are really melodic, Disarm, yeah. So, yeah, really. You know, and thanks to them, there we also had a closing act for that Lollapalooza in 1994. Yeah. yeah. You know, and we got to see them. You know who he didn't get to see? Nirvana. Nirvana. Uh. <laughs> I'll be but uh, all right. So after that, we have a, one of my favorite collaborations on the album, um, and I, I think we're gonna have to jump onto this uh, right after the break. And we're all actually uh, almost done with the list. So um, give us a minute, and we'll be right back. All right, guys, and we're back. All right, so we're gonna head to the next uh, song on the playlist. As I mentioned, amazing collaboration, a very interesting collaboration. It's a radio song with R.E.M. and KRS-One. You have a band that gained all its notoriety through college radio stations, and then KRS-One, hip-hop legend, has been around forever, and, you know, a strong uh, voice in, uh, in, uh, in the hip-hop scene socially and, of course, lyrically. Um, I know this was uh, an interesting selection considering all the hits that came out of that album. It was, a, you know, a, an album with a lot of notoriety, which was out of time for R.E.M., and uh, and again, you know, it, it was it was fun to put it on this playlist because out of all the songs, it's probably not the one that gets the most attention. So this was a fun one to put. Yeah, on I, I go I go more for the poppy side with shiny happy people. I had uh, <laughs> Kate Pearson from the B Fifty Juice. Yeah, what a what a happy song it was just, and it was such a good video too. Like, I, I, I I'm not gonna lie, I would well. Don't ever start a sentence with "I'm not gonna lie" because that means everything you say is a lie. Right. Anyways, two things but, you don't. Uh, two I, things you I, don't say. I, I'm not. You <laughs> start off with that, or say that you researched something on Tolong's website. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this song would get me jumping around. I would listen to this and then just be dancing by myself. And then, um, so right after that, you oh have... wait, you know what though? I, there's another song here that, that was. Insanely huge, uh, losing my religion. Yeah, yeah, a little song. Yeah, that was a little song. And and you know why that song really sticks in my head? Because of nine hundred two one zero. I don't know if you remember. God when damn Dylan it! Every Brenda, time <laughs> that she would just listen to it repeatedly, and I think it was for like four or five episodes that they're like, Brenda, you might have a problem. You're listening to losing my religion way too much. <laughs> Eric, Avenger, I, you know. I think this podcast is going to turn into all your favorite teen girl shows at some point. So I would actually start with <laughs> you. How do you end up in 90210, Eric? See, my religion. Yeah. That's that's how the song came to me. That's also how you've tied in a lot of songs in our podcast is. <laughs> well, but, television was a big influence for our generation. So now you, they got the TikToks the, and the Instagrams. The TikToks. Instagram. So yeah, radio song "Losing My Religion," "Shiny Happy People," um, you know, so that great, great, uh, great album. A lot of notoriety, and then we go into uh, a tribe called Quest with leaders of a new school doing uh, scenario. Another great album, legendary album. Uh, rest in peace, Fife. Classic posse cut. Is this the song that made Buster Rhymes famous? Was this it? The, the dragon one? Rawr, rawr. Yeah, I mean, it, he was he was a standout from the 
from the song. I mean, he was he, people knew him from um, from uh, from leaders of the new school, but yeah, this song was really his breakout. Yeah. Like when you when you when you saw that part, he just came out and like, what the fuck is this? Like, look at this guy and he's screaming and he's all in your face too because the video had like kind of that three D effect when it would come in. It was almost shot like comic book style and he just comes in and I'll never forget that. It was yeah. it was. Dude, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And he was skinny, skinny Buster, not thick Buster yeah. like now. And then uh, who was it that used it recently? Uh, Nicki Minaj used it, uh, used that line that rah rah like a dungeon dragon. Um, uh, Nicki, Nicki Minaj, Nicki Minaj. Yeah, that's what I said. Oh, yeah. I didn't hear that. Part. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Nicki Minaj. So, but but again, another song. You drop it in a club, people go crazy. It's a great song. And then uh, followed by Uptown Anthem by Naughty by Nature. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, who was it, who was it from uh, Salt and Pepper that you had a crush on? That's not who he was with, right? Didn't you have a yeah, crush? Yeah, it was. On? It was Peppa. He's married to her, right? No, no. Well, saying, yeah. Yeah. Gilbert. Who did he? Who did, I like Spinderella. I got Spinderella. Yeah, that's who. Spinderella. Yeah, Gilbert had a crush on her, too. I think everybody did. And yeah. Uptown, Uptown Anthem was from one of the greatest movies ever. Juice. 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 Another awesome you, soundtrack. You got the juice now. But, yeah. With another great artist, uh, Tupac. Yeah. 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 And Know the Ledge was on that album. Great song by Eric B. and Rakim. Uh, yep. And then we go from Uptown Anthem to Set Adrift of Memory Bliss by PM Don. Great this was song. a good time. Yeah. Prince B, rest in peace, man. Yeah. That guy was just so smooth, that voice and his style, just the way he would dress. And it's like, he didn't give a shit, man. I'm going to do my own thing. Very bohemian. Yeah, man. I, I dug it. I dug it. And uh, great sample, too. What was the sample on that song? I'm, I'm sorry. I, I missed that. What was the, the I said, sample? And a, was, and, a, and a great so sample. Spat Du Ballet, right? Yeah. Yeah. This much is true, yeah. which is a great song. Too. Ba, 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 ba. Great, just like that, <laughs> just like that. Uh, you could find all the information that I use on this uh, podcast uh, via Tonelok on Tonelok.com. <laughs> and then uh, another great song after "Set of uh, Set of Drift of Memory Bliss" is "Crazy" by Seal. Love that song. Fantastic song. Great. Great singer, very talented artist. Um, had a beautiful wife for a period of time. Oh yeah, he did well. He did well. Uh, and then ending the sound, ending the playlist. Um, you know, kind of two groups that were tied side by side throughout their during this period um, is Metallica. They were tied to you know side by side with Guns N' Roses. Not so much Tupac, Biggie, Nirvana, Pro Jam. But there was a who do you pick, Guns N' Roses or Metallica? So we end the playlist. Is that, is that what the metal kids were fighting over? That was <laughs> that was their turf war. That was their turf war. You know, because it's weird. I never, I never kind of put those two in the same. Me neither. Same, yeah, like to me, Metallica was one thing. Guns N' Roses was something else. Me gusta la Metallica. Yeah. No, you know what this reminds me of? Uh, we have a friend Rudy that he he. You know, back then, Metallica had those big shows where they're on 20-foot stages. They're coming out like rock gods. Have you ever watched the show Metalpocalypse? I think it's probably based on Metallica on their, their legendary tours. 
and he he went to the show and the story he came he would always tell us was that he never got to see Metallica because they were he was so busy headbanging and just you know thrusting <laughs> his head back and forth up and down with his long ass hair all over his face that it was just like I never saw the band all I did was just come home with neck pain that's, that's how you rocked when you were metal back in the day man Dude, metal kids were 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 something bro like they were Good gosh. Yeah, they yeah, but I mean you know, now look at them now. But this was Metallica. <laughs> this is this more than one, this is what brought them to like mainstream popularity too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right? Black one was a huge hit. But when this came out, you had this was Ender Sandman. Um what was what was the other the, the Unfor- Unforgiving? Unforgiven. Like that that's what put them up and all of a sudden that's when they were huge. I'm not taking that away, but now they they just became like global. Well, that, that, they were they were the biggest band around that time. Like that was who Metallica. Well, that, well, Guns N' Roses was the more the had the most nor, uh, notoriety, and then but the Black Album, you know, I, I guess made them a little bit more mainstream. Uh, but. Yeah, I'm actually looking right now at a website. It's called the Rock House Derby, and this they have an article headline: Metallica versus Guns N' Roses. It's it's not by Tone Loke. It's not the Tone Loke website, but they were uh, they're discussing kind of like how throughout their career they were side by side, uh, you know, both combining ten studio albums and a plethora of awards, and you know all the hits that came out, but they. Yeah, they were. That was the turf war. Was Metallica versus Guns N' Roses, and uh, but both iconic bands, both made in the playlist. Because let's face it, in 1991, those two. I mean, aside from Nirvana's album and Pearl Jam's album, I, I would, I would, I would say that Michael Jackson aside, that those two albums were probably the two biggest rock albums that came out that year. Yeah, and, and I think Nevermind was towards the end of the, the 91, right? Because they, they really kind of took things. I don't think it, I, they ended up going number one in 92, but obviously the album came out in 91. Um, so I think that's, and I think the same with, with, um, with Pearl Jam. I think they came out late in 91 and, and Jeremy blew up in 92. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, ne- Nevermind came out in, in uh, September, at the end of September. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, I don't know how well you remember, but all you would see on MTV News and on Headbangers Ball was like the build up to the release of Use Your Illusion One and Two. Oh yeah, yeah no, I mean, then, I mean, yeah. You would go to Specs or Sam Goody, and they have like the whole section with the, you know, with the two albums uh, artwork lined up side by side, and then you see a news clip, uh, like little news reels of. Oh, we're here at Tower Records, and you see the the two Use Your Illusion banners. I mean, it was big news, and I and I don't think if if memory serves me right, like I don't remember like a lot of hoopla for the Black Album. I think the Black Album kind of sub like blew up like through videos, like when the Unforgiven came out, and and uh, right, and then that's when they started gaining traction on that album. I mean, Metallica already had their following; they were already well known. I mean, between Ride the Lightning. Uh, Kill them all, and uh, you know all those albums. And, 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 
Justice for all. And Justice for all. Justice yeah. for all. Yeah. So. I think Metallica is actually one of the bands that did one of the pulled one of the coolest moves, and and it was just it was ballsy when they released that documentary about themselves after you know all, after the success. I think if it was it was of this album. Yeah, it was recording. Jason Newstead le- left the the band, and you got to see Metallica again. You, you, these these guys were gods, and then you see them as humans in there, and you're like. Wait a minute. These are the dudes we worship. Like we thought they were gods. Well, dude, and they're just like I don't want to say like they're like they're pussy. No, they're just people dealing with issues. And you just see them get angry and petty about just the dumbest shit. And and it's like no, this is how a band works, right? It's not all but it's not, not all the glitz and and you know the fans and stuff. Like there's a lot of work and a lot of um, animosity, I guess, and love and just ups and downs that go with with making an album. So like, yes, they were gods and we saw them this, but when they released that, it was all right. These guys are human too. I thought that was kind of a ballsy move on yeah. there. Well, good, part, consider especially this especially for their age. Yeah, consider this. Look at all the hours that you spend together in a studio. Then you're playing the same song over and over again because the producer said, no, that doesn't sound right. Let's do it again. Plus you're touring together and you know, eventually you know tensions flare and, and and that's how you get there. i mean no sleep you're going from city to city and there's a lot of legendary stories about metallica and 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 uh, you know when they were butting heads amongst each other that they all arrive you know at the to the same location they don't get there together they go they play they rehearse they play their show and then they all leave separate and they don't see each other you know but but look at the longevity. Look, look how long that band's been relevant. Their last album. That and came shout out, out to the Robert Trujillo who came in and just just owned it. Speaking, of, speaking of headbanging, the you best know? headbanger ever. <laughs> I don't know, man. Cliff Burton was pretty solid. Yeah. Well, but you know what I like from there is the, the wide bass stance, like oh, the crab walk yeah. that he does and that low. Yeah. Dude, but he's a badass bassist too. He came oh. from uh, suicidal tendencies and Ozzy Osbourne. Pretty much, they traded uh, uh, bass players for a time, right? Because yeah. uh, Jason Newsted went over there, and yeah. Robert Trujillo came came to Metallica. Yeah. So, but yeah, but. They, 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 dude, look, their last album was fucking great. Metallica's most recent album—that's a great album. Uh, but you know, it, it's this playlist. Like with all playlists, it's been difficult. This one was fun because it jumps through different genres of music. Uh, it introduces the be Bodega Fembot, uh, which will make a Spanish crossover into Gilbert's realm. But um, yeah, it's there's something for everybody on this playlist. There's hip hop. There's I mean R and B. There's you know alternative grunge. There's everything. This is music from 1988. 1989, 1989. Um, yeah, you have Arnold Schwarzenegger's favorite artist. <laughs> <laughs> and you learned that Brenda was a big REM fan. Who would have thought? Yeah. Well, I, I now I look forward to these, uh, you know, these uh, teenage girl tidbits throughout every podcast. But Ooh, it's, don't knock, man. I'm, I'm, hey, I gotta bring some estrogen to the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was like the, the comment that you made when Vanessa was on. Finally, another girl. Is that what you said? <laughs> oh my god, it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, this is, 
out of all the playlists that we've had, like th- this one, I've I probably listened to like about five times already since since we put it together. It's a, it's actually fun to keep it in the background, fun to drive to because there is a little bit of everything. You're not just stuck in one genre, so this one's pretty fun. Um, next next episode will be 1990s hip hop, and uh, of course we'll have DJ G Funk, the resident bodega DJ, throw down. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, we mentioned earlier in the podcast uh, that you're fresh off of your uh, Twitch uh, live debut. Uh, anything else you got going on, Gilbert? Uh, well, I am going to be doing Twitch more often. That was fun. So um, I think everybody that was there on the chat having fun, except for that damn bot, but that guy was out of control. He did not like cap or emotes at all. Yeah, I've never. But, um, that was interesting watching people get kicked off. Yeah, that was funny. I, it was funny when my wife got kicked off. That was the best. That was the best. But um, <laughs> but yeah. No, um, other than that, that's it. I, you know, I, you know, been working hard on getting this uh, Lovers Rock thing off the ground, and it finally happened. You know, I have the merch available. Um, so that's it. Yeah, just regular old G funk now. <laughs> I, I think the next episode is going to be fun with you too, Gilbert, because um, the '90s is when you started DJing, right? So you kind of like. The late night, yeah. I grew up, but you developed your skill with using these songs, right? Yeah, not, like, yeah, I, I think I started DJing in 97 or 98, I think it was. So, um, yeah, it was, you know, it was a long time ago is what it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and uh, guys, if uh, if you want to look <clears throat> look for more uh, DJ G-Funk stuff, or we always post it on the Bodega Instagram page. Uh, you know, he is family. He is a friend. He's, you know. He is part of this podcast as well. So if uh, if you didn't catch anything that he said here, all you got to do is go to our Instagram page and it's there and information to his pages and his Twitch that you'll find it all on there. Um, guys, as always, this is fun. We love doing this. We have a, a lot of fun time doing this. Um, you know, it's we've been friends for a long time and, you know, now we're uh, separated by, by county lines and states and this is a, uh, a fun way for us to stay together and talk about one of the things that we love the most, which is music. And uh, we look forward to the next one. Again, we got a DJ G funk coming again to do. Oh yeah. Double header. The double header. And then uh, as always uh, the a one, the prime minister of the WB Sinister? and, and uh, Eric uh, guys, it's always fun. Thank you for uh, for the company, and I appreciate it. And, and you know, 1991, landmark year for music. Uh, just look it up, and you'll see every single album that came out uh, that year, and you'll be completely floored. And you'll probably look at this list and say, you know, we could have put so much more. But again, it's 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 one playlist. Uh, but you know, look it up for yourselves. Amazing year for music, arguably the best year. Uh, for album releases, I mean, all the way from January to December, it was nonstop hit after. I mean, the Pixies came out with an album that year, too. Um, but, guys, it was fun. Eric, take us out. Bye. Peace, y'all. Later. <laughs>